So it was kind of humorous when we first started the service right at 10 o'clock. Um, and I don't know what it is about human nature, but when you walked in, those of you who came in, um, you kind of probably, when you were here early, it looked a bit funny because everybody was over here. And I thought, like, what is wrong with this half of the room? Like, it just feels like we're, we're sloping this way. But, uh, but then you guys came, and it made it all better. So, so thanks for, for being here. Otherwise, I was going to ask you guys to help me out because we still have our online community, and there are many who are joining us online. And for me to spend a lot of my time trying to look at the camera and have all of you sitting over here just would have been awkward. So this is all part of the fun of the world in which we live. And I think we have to laugh about those things and just roll with the punches. <clears throat> In some weeks, it feels like there's more punches than, than other weeks. So here's something that I discover again and again and again. It's that, generally speaking, people want to have an experience with God. There's an old song that we used to sing, and it says, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you. And I think that is um, kind of the cry of a lot of people's hearts. Whether you have been walking with Jesus all of your life or whether you're exploring Christianity or other kinds of religions, there's this thing driving us that we want to experience God. We want to know that God is there. We want to know that God cares. And so we use language uh, in the church. We often develop some of our own uh, <clears throat> language, cliches, uh, and we talk about seeing God or meeting God face to face. So what do we mean when we say that? I want to see God face to face. And I wonder if, if what we're actually expressing is this idea of knowing that God is there and that God actually cares about the stuff happening in this world and more importantly, that God cares about what's happening in your life. And so when we talk about seeing God face to face, I wonder if what we mean is I want to be able to, to have a conversation with God. I want to tell him what's going on, and I don't want it to be a one-sided conversation. I want to know that he is responding, and I want to feel it. I want to experience it. So I want to ask you this question as a follow-up to what we mean by it. It's why. Why do you want that? What are you hoping to accomplish by seeing God face to face? And I just want you to think about this concept and what we mean by it and what we hope will happen. I, wanna, I want you to think about a guy named Jacob. Jacob, who's a patriarch of the Hebrew people of Israel. And one night in his convoluted life of deception and always trying to get the upper hand, he has an encounter with God. And he wrestles with God. And after the event takes place, he names the place Peniel. And, it, and, and he says, I'm naming it Peniel. El is the name for God back then. 
because I have seen God face to face and lived to tell about it. So there's this sense of, of, of experiencing God, but it's terrifying. And I wonder if you've ever felt that way about knowing God. And the thought of actually seeing God, depending on what's going on in your life, terrifies you. But then you hold that against a guy named Moses. Moses, who's another patriarch of the Hebrew people. And lots of people are kind of familiar with the story of Moses. And at one point uh, in Moses' journey with leading Israel out of slavery, we're told that he would regularly meet God in this giant tent called the tabernacle. And we're told that God would meet with him and talk with him face to face like friends talk. And so on the one hand, you got one person saying, I've seen God face to face and lived to tell about it. And then on the other hand, you've got this guy talking to God like they're best friends. And I wonder if you've experienced either one of those, probably both. We want to know God. We want to know about God. We want God to know us. And in our day and age, the idea of knowing can go a long way. Because we want to know things. And I think this is where the good news gets even better. Because knowing things about God can actually lead us to knowing God and experiencing God and experiencing the, the unmeasured love that we just sang about. And that leads us to the passage that I want to walk us through today. Uh, many of you will be familiar with this passage. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? Okay, a lot of you who are married should have your hand up. And often in weddings, there's a passage that's read from 1 Corinthians 13. And usually what's read are verses 4 to 7. Love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. And on and on and on the list goes. But there are three verses before it, which we'll address briefly today. And there are a number of verses after it. And I want to begin today by starting at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 where Paul's been talking about describing love, the Apostle Paul, who's describing love to the people he was writing to. And then he writes this, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And so here's Paul writing to a group of people, giving them caution about pursuing what we would just call today different versions of knowledge. And then he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man or when I became a woman, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I only know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, 
Here's Paul using this language about experiencing God face to face. And what he's doing in this passage is he's, he's kind of making contrasts between uh, our tendency to want to know things and our tendency to underestimate the value and the power of love. And so in this passage, Paul's talking about some, the desire that we have to want to know God. We want to see God face to face. And I think what Paul is doing is he's playing his hand and saying there are some things that are going to help you see God and there are some things that aren't. So let's make sure that we understand uh, how we are able to move more into what it is that we desire and not get distracted by things that are only going to leave us feeling impartial, incomplete, or imperfect. So there are some things that won't let you see God. And a couple of those things Paul addresses here. He talks about um, praying in tongues. Uh, He talks about knowledge. Um, Listen to the first verses here in chapter 13 of Corinthians. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'm just making a big noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, it's nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so I think what Paul is doing here, uh, he's, he's addressing a culture that was a little bit obsessed with, with data, with knowing things, and with having the right behavior. If I give everything away to the poor, I would just call that religious behavior. And so there's two things Paul's talking about I think that aren't going to let us see God the way that we want to see God. And that is when we pursue knowledge for the sake of knowledge and when we pretend that religious behavior is somehow going to make us closer to God. And he's saying, these are the things that are not going to lead you to where you want to be. If it's okay with you, I'd like to talk a little bit about discipleship. I guess it doesn't matter if it's okay with you because I'm going to talk about it anyway. (laughs) But it just seems polite to say that. I think as I've reflected more and more um, through the years of of pastoring and of of being in church, um, there's a lot of talk about discipleship and about what that is. And I wonder sometimes if in, because we live in a culture that is saturated with a desire to have information. I wonder sometimes if that's infiltrating the way we see discipleship. So in the church, we often talk about discipleship as, and we use language like I want to go deeper. And I, and I wonder sometimes if what we mean by that language is I want to know more. Give me more facts. 
Tell me more about what that verse means. Um, you know, give me, give me the meaning behind the Greek word for that. And I think when Jesus talks about discipleship, I'm not sure that's what he means. But I can see how we go there. So, for example, in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus saying to his followers, uh, the early disciples who have seen him resurrected, what does he say to them? Go into the world and make disciples. And then he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So sometimes I, I think we, we hear something like that and we think, okay, we need to teach. And when we talk about teaching, we think knowledge. Give me knowledge. Give me more knowledge. And I think when we talk about going deeper, I wonder sometimes if that's what we mean. Because we feel good about ourselves when we know more. You ever played a trivia game? And you get the right answer and people look at you like, smarty pants. <laughs> we love information. And it's the currency of our world, at least in our Western world. Information is currency. Information is power. Information is status. And I wonder how much of that infiltrates into how we think of following Jesus. And then there's religious behavior. In our cultures, whether it's in the church or the church down the road or the Rotary Club or whichever group it is, we develop an acceptable behavior and people who correspond to that acceptable behavior are on the in and those who don't are on the out. And it feels good when your behavior matches the expectations of those around you. And I wonder how much of that gets confused with how we view discipleship. And Paul is saying, knowledge will only get you so far. There are some things that won't let us see God. I want to go back to verse 8. It starts off uh, in, the ver in what we read here on the screen. It says, love never fails. And the wording literally, here's some information for you. From the Greek. The word literally means never falls down. Love never falls down. And I love that. It just stands. Love stays upright. It doesn't fall down. It doesn't let you down. It doesn't end and it doesn't fail. And so I want us to remind ourselves throughout this morning that love never falls down. So a few times here, I'm going to say to you, let's remind ourselves, and then I want you to say, love never falls down. So let's try it. Let's remind ourselves, love never falls down. I think that's a good mantra for pursuing what it means to be mature in Christ or in following Jesus. Now, there are some things that won't let you see God, but there are some things that will let you see God. And you already know the answer to that. It's pursuing the idea of God's love. And I want to describe for you um, this love. It's, it's an agape love. And some of you will be familiar with that word. 
Here's some more information for you. There are different types of love that the, that the biblical writers talk about. They talk about erotic love, eros, or uh, friendship or familial love, philos. And then they talk about the love of God, agape. And while they all have their place, it is the love of God that seeks others first ahead of ourselves. It is an irrational love in our day and age. It is excessive to many. It is counterintuitive and is often seen as exaggerative. It is a love that both ruins us and restores us, that invites us to die so that we might live. So let's remind ourselves again today of this love. Love doesn't fall down. It never falls down. I want to read from John 14, verse 21. Put this up here for you. Jesus is talking about people who he's going to give the spirit to, his own spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And he's inviting them to follow him into the life that he's calling them to. And then he says this to them, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. We want to see God. We want to know God. We want to experience God. And here's Jesus talking about obeying his commandments. So obviously there's, there's some element that knowledge needs to bring us into, and that is the ability to know who Jesus is and what he has taught us, and then to begin to obey what he has called us to. And when we begin to obey the commandments of Jesus, he says, I will reveal myself to them. Just before this, in chapter 13, Jesus told us what his commandments are, summed up in a single command. Love one another as I have loved you. If you want to see God, then let your knowledge bring you to a willingness to both receive his love and to share that love. So let's remind ourselves again this morning, love never falls down. First John 4, 7. Anyone who loves is a child of God. And knows God. Do you want to have an experience with God? Do you want to see him? Do you want to know that he's there and that he cares? Jesus is inviting us into this. And it's this idea of learning to embrace a love that is irrational and excessive for you and letting that wash through you and then letting that flow out to those around you. I wonder how often we confuse knowing things about Jesus with actually letting that knowledge lead us more into embracing and experiencing his love.
There is a world out there in our culture who is really not interested in all the stuff you know about the Bible. But they are desperately looking for the stuff that you talk about to actually translate into how you see them and how you see one another. And when the knowledge we have leads us to Jesus and to begin experiencing that love, and then that translates into our willingness to love this world, then you are going to see God and experience God in ways that will revolutionize your life. I like this TV. I don't know if it's um, what the definition is, but a little while ago, uh, our old TV died. We had a flat screen TV, but it was the flat screen TV that was about three inches thick. Do you know what I mean? Compared to these ones now, which are just paper thin. And so we got this new TV, high def. And I was always this person, particularly with sports. Uh, Love sports. Love watching sports. Um, Love playing sports. All sports. Uh, except basketball. Uh, basketball, yeah. So I used to think, you know, I'd hear about the high-def televisions, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, sports are fine. And then we actually had to get a new high-definition television. And we set it up and um, put on the hockey game, or the football game, and I'm just amazed at, like, whoa. You see everything so much better and more clear. It was amazing. Uh, And then 4K, I guess, is that much better. And mind you, I'm also uh, a cheapskate in tightwads, so I'm not going to pay for a lot of that stuff. But but, um, I have friends who have those, and I don't mind going over to to watch their TV. But I I, want to share this with you. When we have knowledge... We're able to catch a glimpse of God in Jesus, like seeing in a dimly lit mirror. That's what Paul's talking about in Corinthians. But when we have love, we get to see God in 4K definition. You see, our discipleship is meant to make us look more like Jesus. It's meant to turn us into a people that not only crave that love of God, but we actually live in a way that we let others see God too. Paul is talking about comparing knowledge and love. And while he's not saying, you know, knowledge, um, you know, learning things and knowing things is fine, But for Paul, um, that is not the end goal. It's meant to bring us into the love of God as a way to see him and to experience him. And so when people like John the Elder who wrote these letters at the end of the New Testament, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, uh, John trips out on this idea of the love of God in Jesus in in a huge way. 
And he writes this in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. We want to see God. And a lot of people want to see him literally. And he says, no one's ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Full expression in us. Expression is a way of communicating. Expression paints a picture. And it's as if John is saying, do you want to see God? Become a community that loves one another and you will begin to see God. And a community that grows in love isn't only capable of loving one another. I think a community that is growing in love is able to love all others. We want to see God face to face. And John is saying, if you want to see God, then speak the language of love. Love is the currency of God's kingdom. See, I think in much of our Western culture, knowledge is the currency in our world. And I think what what Jesus is doing and what Paul is doing and what John is doing is saying, if you want to be a a citizen of, of the kingdom of God, then you need to learn to enjoy the currency of love. It is, it is how God loves to be generous. And when we love, we speak God's language. When we love, we spend God's currency. When we love, we look like Jesus. And we think like Jesus. And we see people the way Jesus sees them. And if our knowledge is is an end to itself so that we feel good about it, Paul is saying that's not going to get you to see God the way you want. If our behavior is devoid of love, that's not going to get us where we want to be. So I want to come back to this verse, verse 12 in 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And as you look at what Paul is saying on either side of that verse, he's saying... In talking about things like knowledge and religious behavior, that's the stuff that we do when we're kids. But maturity brings us into being a community of love. And then he finishes by saying, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And love never fails. Love will last forever. So this last thing to say here. The language of knowing and being known conveys a relationship that is mutually loving, giving, and receiving. But knowledge is only valuable in the context of God's love. Let's remind ourselves again today. Love never falls down. Let's try that one more time. Love never falls down. If you want to experience God and if you want to see God, then 
Let the stuff that you know about God, the things that you've heard Jesus say, and you might be here and you're saying, like, I don't know. I've never, you know, I've never heard anything. I'd be like, have you heard of the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Jesus said, my commandments are summed up into this one thing. Love others as I have loved you. You want to see God? You want to experience God? Then begin to let that become a part of your life. Love is on, or knowledge is only valuable when it leads us deeper into the love of Jesus and deeper into the life of God. Okay, that's it. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for us. So I want to encourage you. What is it that you're pursuing in your desire to see God and to know God. And if it's, you know, this, this keen uh, drive to learn more and to know more, I want to ask the question, why do you think that's important? I don't think it's unimportant, but I think it's dangerous depending on why we want that information. Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples by how much you know. Of course, that's not what he said. He said in John 13, 34, the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love. So God, I think collectively here today, our prayer is open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And I want to pray on behalf of all of us that you would allow the things we now know, whatever it is we know about you, Jesus, as we're reading the scriptures, as we're, as we're talking about you, as we're interacting, as we're listening to different sermons and preachers, please allow us the maturity to take what we know and let it change our heart so that we look more like you so that we speak more like you, so that we think more like you, so that we love more like you. And may our discipleship and our maturity result in us becoming more and more immersed and rich in the currency of your love rather than the currency of just knowing things. Forgive us for when we pursue knowledge for the sake of knowledge so that we feel better about ourselves. Remind us of what Paul wrote when he said love puffs or knowledge puffs up, but it's love that builds the church. When we live in a world that is uh, drowning in the currency of data and information, May this foreign currency of the kingdom of God, the currency of the love of Christ, 
just continue to increase in value. That the world would see that you are real and that you care and that it is possible to experience you and to see your face now.